Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Let us be attentive. At that time, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him power over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. And now, Father, you glorify me in your own presence with the glory which I had with you before the world was made. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you did send me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are mine. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The words we just heard from the Gospel of St. John are very powerful because they are the words of Christ himself speaking to the Father. We have this glimpse into his relationship with the Father and how blessed we are that we have a record of these words, of him praying to his Father on behalf of his disciples, praying for his disciples. And it's a very deep and heartfelt prayer full of many wonderful truths. But I'd like to focus on one of them. And that's when he says, speaking of his disciples, he says, they are mine. They are mine, he says. What an amazing statement. They are mine. What does this mean? What does it mean to belong to God? For Christ to say, they are mine. And again, he's speaking about his disciples. He's speaking about his disciples. And he does point out Judas as well. Accept him, he says. Judas, although he was with the group, and he could have been God's, he could have been Christ's, he chose not to be. He removed himself. But all the other 11, he says, they are mine. They have committed themselves to me. They have they will be obedient to me. They love me. They believe in me. They are mine. Even though he knows that in just a few days they will all run away from him and hide in fear. But he sees beyond that. He sees their weakness, but he sees beyond that. They are mine. He knows what's truly in their heart. Even if they had a little bit of fear and doubt, but he, he's able to say this, they are mine. In St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, speaking of the body, of the temple, he says, you are not your own. You were purchased for a price. And the price was the blood of Christ by the cross, by which we were saved and redeemed and all those who believe in him and are baptized now belong to him. This is why we say we are his body. We are his body. Right? This is my body. It belongs to me. You have your body. It belongs to you. So when we say we are the body of Christ, it means we belong to Christ. We are his body. And no one can take us away from him unless we choose it, like Judas. This is why he says in St. John's 
letter a little later, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So how does this whole happen? How, how do we belong to him? Is this just a poetic theological statement, or is this something very real? It's possible for us to belong to him because he desired to first belong to us by becoming a human being, by becoming one of us. We are able to be joined to him because he first joins himself to us by washing us from sin in the waters of baptism which is our crucifixion, our death and resurrection with him. And we are able to live in him because he again approaches us. He makes the first move. He approaches us and offers himself to us in the partaking of his body and blood, thereby only through the Eucharist, only through Holy Communion, can we truly call ourselves the body of Christ, a body that belongs to him. It's very, very uh, straightforward. Christ desires to make us his body by giving us his body. And if we do not have his body, then we are not of his body. This is why the Holy Eucharist is the center of everything, the center of our faith. Because there is one Christ, there can only be one body, one church that teaches one true and correct faith. Otherwise, we are saying that Christ is divided. He's been chopped up. Christ is not divided. And this one faith, this one church, this one Christ is who we are commemorating today by remembering the fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. Over 300 bishops gather together to say, this is who we are, this is what we believe, this is the faith. And to condemn all the false teachings that were attacking the church. False teachings by heretics, by enemies of Christ. It was a gathering of the body of Christ for the reason of expelling from itself, from the body, anything that was not holy, not truthful, and not of the Holy Spirit. So, if we know all this as Orthodox Christians, and we know that we are truly his body, that we belong to him, he says, how should that affect us? How should that change us? How should that influence how we live, how we think, how we talk, how we see ourselves, and how we see the world around us. So I want to offer three ways uh, that 
we can try to do this. The first is, since we belong to him, and these are his words, since we belong to him, let us believe that. Let us truly believe that. Not be kind of on the fence about that, or not sure, or not really think it applies to me. Let us believe that. We belong to Christ. And then if we belong to him, would he not take care of us? Those of you who have children, they, in a sense, belong to you. Do you not take care of them? Do you not love them? Do you not protect them? And even our belongings, our material things, you open the garage and it's full of stuff, right? Our, our things we own end up owning us. But the things we have, we take care of. They belong to us. I protect them. So if we believe that we truly belong to him, should we not also really believe he does take care of us? We are not strangers to him. He knows each and every one of us and our struggles, and he cares for us. If he died on the cross for us, wouldn't he also be willing to help us and love us and care for us today? So let us not have anxiety about anything and fear about anything, but put everything in his hands and say, Lord, you know what is best. Your will be done. Teach me what I must do. What I should say. Show me the way. So we have to believe that we truly belong to him. Second, if we belong to him, we have to be obedient to him. Obedient. This is a word we don't like. Modern man does not like the word obedient, especially American modern man, because we're very independent-minded. We want freedom. Yes, but this is something else. This is obedience the way, again, a child is obedient to his father and mother, because it knows the mother and father love the child and want the best for him or her. And so the child loves the father and mother because it senses that care, it senses that love that comes from them. So we have to be obedient to Christ and to his church and to the teachings of the church. He says, my sheep know me, they know my voice, and I know my sheep. As stranger, they will not follow. So who are these strangers that we have to be careful of and not follow? Well, first, there's other religions. Then there are false teachings about Christ in other Christian groups. Then there are the atheistic, secular mentality that is everywhere, especially here in California. That is, that's what your children and your grandchildren are hearing in the schools five days a week. That is the voice of the stranger. The materialistic mentality, the one that says, this, this is the only life you have, enjoy it, 
go after carnal pleasures as much as you want. You don't have a soul. Just live life and be done with it. That's the message. That's being constantly fed to us through movies, through the media, through entertainment. A stranger's voice they will not follow, he says. Then there's the politics that make us think that somehow this governor or this president or this king is going to save all our problems. He's the hero, he's the messiah. Let's vote for him. Really? This is also the mentality we could fall into. We have to make sure everything is put in its appropriate place and always be loyal to Christ first, especially when we go into the voting booth. What are we voting for? What policies are we voting for? What beliefs? What ideologies are you voting for? Are you being loyal to Christ or not? This is what it means to obey him, to follow him. Since we belong to him, number three, do we give ourselves to him? Do we give our time to him in prayer, in our thoughts? Do we support his church in stewardship of our time and talents and treasure? And finally, since we belong to him, does he belong to us? Do we have a personal relationship with him? Can we say to him, like the Apostle Thomas did, you are my Lord, my God. <clears throat> that is such an important step and understanding to make. To truly believe that we belong to him and he belongs to us. And in this union, that's what we mean by communion. It's a unity. It's a joining together. Nothing should take us away from him. Otherwise, we become like Judas. Nothing should take us away from him. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Because we live in the world and we're constantly being attracted by other things. But can we, this week maybe, show him a little bit more that how we belong to him and how we believe that. Can we pray a little bit more this week? Can we turn off the TV and the internet and everything else and spend more time with him this week? Can we offer more to the church, his church, this week or this month? Can we read the Bible a little more this week? These are the ways where we will actually live out this reality of us belonging to him. So try that this week. Show God that you do believe that you belong to him. And you'll see how much he will show you what that means. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit.